Good evening. I believe that tonight is a pivotal night for some of you. Um, The reason I say that, and I believe it with all my heart, is because that's what the Lord keeps ministering on the inside of me. And so for, uh, for some of you, you have had an interest in the mission field and being involved in, in the nations and around the world and bringing the gospel to, to the uttermost. And so there's even some here that are, are thinking, well, maybe I'll, I'll go someday. Or maybe you, you feel like the Lord is calling you in that direction. You're not sure exactly what that means. I really think that tonight is going to help you to, uh, to find clarity. All right, And not only is it going to help you find clarity, tonight is also a night where some understanding needs to happen. And understanding that when Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, it wasn't a suggestion. It was the result of someone who follows Jesus. And being a fisher of men is not dependent upon living in a different nation. It starts right here at home, in our neighborhood, in our families, in our workplace, a fisher of men. And what comes with that then is the commission, right? It says go into the whole world, to every people group. And, you know, no single missionary can do that by himself. It takes the body of Christ working together. And so some of us are called to live in those locations. Some of us are called to finance those that live in those locations. And, but we all have a part to play. And so tonight, I believe there's going to be a, uh, a clarity that comes to some that are wondering, where do I fit in this? And you be listening to the Lord because the Lord's going to minister some things in your heart. All right, Larry, Kay, Laura, if you would come up and and sit down. We are going to have a um, living room discussion before the sermon. And um, Larry and Kay and Laura and I have had many good conversations sitting in his living room and sitting in my living room here. And... um, I've always wished, I wish I could have all of you sit in and listen to all the things that they're saying. And so we thought it would be nice if we could do kind of a question and answer session to where I'll ask them a series of questions and uh, it's going to be like we're just in our living room talking about it and you all listen in and... Um, Maybe there will be some, uh, some things that you'll find um, interesting and helpful. And Amen. So, um, most of you here know who, who Larry and Kay are, but there may be a few that are with us tonight that don't know who they are. So, I'm going to real quickly uh, let you all introduce yourselves and tell us where in the world is Waldo? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my name isn't Waldo. Uh, my name is Larry Mills, and uh, we're currently living, working for the Lord. This is my wife. You want to? I'm Kay, and I'm his wife. <laughs> I live there too. <laughs> and I'm Laura, and I'm their daughter. I grew up on the mission field till I was 19, moved back to the States, and then about a year and a half ago, I moved back again. Laura, do you have any siblings? Yeah, I have one older sister and two younger sisters. Okay, awesome. A lot of girls. 
<laughs> yes. Yay, girls. <laughs> yes. It really, I wish all of you could come and visit them, you know, yes. at some point and uh, experience Amen. it. Um, before I get into my whole list of questions, so word on the street, Laura, is that um, you're here looking for a husband. So are there any prospects? <laughs> Next. I'm sorry for the misinformation. <laughs> but if you want the answer, you can ask this man over here who obviously set you up to ask that question. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, it was him. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. <laughs> It really wasn't. He's, he's scot free on this one. Hallelujah. <laughs> that doesn't mean he hasn't tried. <laughs> so, Larry, tell us um, why, uh, why are you there? Um, it started in, when I was in Bible school in Florida, Central Florida, uh, Assembly of God Bible School, sitting in a chapel service in 1979. I was listening to a speaker, George Verrer, uh, talk about as the largest unevangelized country in the whole world. And he said the reason it was the largest unevangelized country because so few were willing to pay the price to take the gospel there. And it just hit me and it just leaped inside of me and I said, Lord, I'll go. I'll go. And that's where it began. And so uh, a lot happened after that, but uh, different things uh, in the process of uh, bringing that to about to pass. We were just there um, last weekend in central Florida and I went to the chapel, sat down in the section where I knew the, the Lord called me 30, no, 42 years ago, 1979. And the Lord just ministered to me. Sometimes it pays to revisit the altars in our lives, you know, yeah. where God spoke to us. So, Laura, you recently made the decision to go and join mom and dad. And um, so what drove that decision? Yeah, I felt a call. I grew up on the mission field, but I felt a call to missions as a teenager, but I never really felt like what country I was to go to. Um, when I came back from university, I graduated, I prayed about it, but I never really felt led or called to anywhere. A lot of people are like, well, you have to go to because you already know the culture and the language. And I was like, well, I'm not going to force anything. Like, I'm going to let God. And in 2019, the fall of 2019, in my prayer time, I just really just felt this call from God to go back and this just love for the country that was so overwhelming. And I tried to like be like, well, you just miss it. You haven't been there in a while. And, but I just, as I prayed, it just kept coming back. And I was like, okay, God, if this is you, like, I'm going to step out and trust you in it. Awesome. Thank you. So how long did you say you've been in? Uh, about 34 years um, in the country. 30, about 34 years ago, we, yeah, okay. but we weren't there, haven't been there the whole time. More recently, because we, we've lived in Istanbul and other places. So Kay, question for you. Um, how do you, like, how is the country different today than it was when you first got there? And is, is it more open to the gospel now or less open? It's definitely more open now than what it was, and it's more modern. When we first went, I mean, nobody had central heat. I mean, just potbelly stoves in one room, and you got your milk raw, and you had to boil it, and just much more modern things now, which makes life a little easier. So overall, yeah. 
and, and definitely more open, even though the government has shut down a lot of things and really put a lot of clamp on it, the people are more open than in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably due to a lot of more prayer for the Middle East. Amen. So what would you say, Kay, um, were some of the bigger challenges, maybe one or two, um, or as many as you want to tell us, um, that you've had to overcome in your time there? Yeah. You know, learning the language is always such a big challenge and, and a struggle, you know, to, to really get a better grasp on the language so that you can communicate well and all those kind of things. And, of course, having all my babies overseas <laughs> always was a challenge, <laughs> let's say it that way. So, and maybe homeschooling the girls overseas with not all the resources that you need sometimes. Now, were all the, all the children born there? They were all born overseas, and then we were in Bulgaria when she was going to be born, went to Germany for the birth, got kicked out, and went to Germany for the third birth. We were in Germany for the last one, too. Okay. Larry, what would you say um, in this past year have some, been some of the biggest challenges and the biggest victories that you guys have experienced? Biggest challenge besides COVID? <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> Some, something everyone can relate to. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would say uh, adjusting to the fact that we were not able to have church like you've been able to have church here. Uh, we, were, we were shut down. No way were we, in any way were we able to meet together. So we went to Zoom meetings. That was all new for us. And then uh, we were op able to open up again for a short time. And then they shut us down again. And currently everything's locked up. Um, and so everything's like boarded up and shut down and um, we've had to find a way to make do. So that our biggest challenge would have to be still making church work and, and meeting the goal of, of discipling people and, and those kind of things in spite of the stuff that's been thrown at us. I would say the greatest victory um, in spite of these things happening um, we've seen God supernaturally provide for a couple book translations that we've done. They've been completely paid for, namely these two. Uh, we've done this last year. How to Be Led by the Spirit of God is now, and also The Guide Inside by Mark Brzee. Uh, it's also about being led by the Holy Spirit. Both paid for, and that was a supernatural move, uh, work of God. And then... Um, just and then just recently i for years i've tried to get a work permit which would give me a more solid base there and that just came and i now have a work permit uh, based on the fact that i own a company there and stuff and it is a, it's supernatural let me tell you and so that was a big victory good now in this lockdown we were talking the other night about how that um you you weren't even allowed to be out driving in the car or walking down the street like it was locked up in the house uh, weekends, uh, it's completely locked down. Nobody's allowed to go outside from Friday night to Monday morning. And during the weekdays, Monday through Friday, if you're 20 years old and younger, you're only allowed out 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday. If you're 65 years or older, you're only allowed out from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Monday through Friday. And again, nobody's allowed out on weekends. Um, so, yeah. And then during those times that you can go out during the weekdays, if, if I'm driving a car, I have to have a mask on if I'm the only one in the car. 
and driving the car. And if I get caught without it on and with that below my nose, they'll give me a very, like a $500 penalty. And uh, they're very strict about it. Yeah. Even, even you guys were saying how getting on the bus, if it was after the curfew or getting close to the curfew, they would, nope, you're not 20 years old, you can't, I mean, it, it's really ridiculous. Well, they have a code now, it's, it's a health code, and if you're tested positive, it's reported immediately, and then there's a red flag on your code. So you can't buy an airline ticket, you can't now go, go into a bank and do banking, you can't go into a, a restaurant to eat, you can't, they check you at the door. You can't get on a city bus. Uh, it's like they're one step away from putting it permanently on your body. So without the mark, anyway, you, yeah. you can finish that. <laughs> yeah, a trial run on what's yeah. coming. So um, switching gears a little bit, Larry, what would you say is the long-term vision that the Lord has given to you on your assignment there? Um, I believe that uh, in every in different avenues, we need to get the Word of God out, we need to get the Scriptures out, need to get the Word of God out so that people, there's, a, there's something the Holy Spirit can use to touch people's hearts and to open their hearts and see. And then, then the harvest, of course, to bring in a harvest, to help bring, be a part of bringing in the harvest and then discipling that harvest through uh, discipling and education and training. And so... Uh, there's many different ways we do that uh, in those things. But uh, this year, our desire is to plant a church, a new church in a very strategic place. Um, and ultimately, um, we want to put a conference center for the whole Middle East and uh, have a weekly, every week, different groups come through for training, equipping, refreshing from all over the Middle East. Amen. You know, the Lord rarely asks us to do things that we're able to do on our own, right? <laughs> and so... Uh, that's how we know it's Him. Yes, yes, that's right. Um, Kay, do you welcome short-term teams? Do you have interns that come? Um, what if we have someone here that says, well, I would like to, I'd be interested in coming. What yeah. would you say about that? Oh, yeah, we really do like to have interns. We've had several, and it's... It's been a good experience for us and for them, and it's been very helpful. And we think it's a good way to get your eyes open. Short-term trips are also a good way to, to spy out the land and see what it's really like. And it, it's really a, a very good way to, to step into missions. In Is there any particular process that you guys usually work through to, to have somebody come in that capacity? <laughs> yeah, we have an email address. And if you send us an email and just say, like, I'm interested, we have an information packet, we have an application. Uh, it's not like anything super crazy, but we just like to get some information from you just to see where your heart is or whatever. But I will say that um, even if you don't necessarily feel called here the Middle East, these people have so much experience and information that can be drawn from them. Like, it's crazy to sit down and talk with them even as their daughter like I've been there with them but at the same time when you sit down and have a conversation with them what you can draw from them even just like can I say catch from them you know for the mission for missions God's heart is amazing and I think that's the number one thing that we have heard back from interns that have come have said I just wanted to sit with them more 
I wish I could have had more conversations with them. And I think that's the biggest thing that you can get out of that internship. So going all the way back to the beginning, all those 42 years ago, mm -hmm. or you mentioned being in a service and mm -hmm. feeling called to the mission field. Mm -hmm. um, prior to that, did you have any desires, leanings that way? or? It's interesting. I went to Bible school thinking I was going to be an evangelist or a pastor. And I heard about this missions trip going to Belize, Central America. I had never been outside the United States, not even to Canada or Mexico. So I said, I want to join that. And I joined it. It was an eye-opener to me. It was a shocker. And I remember in December, coming back from that trip, I had never seen poverty like that. And I remember coming back to my home in Ohio and, and looking at my Christmas tree and all the gifts under the tree. And I just started weeping. And I just started crying. I said, God, the rest of the world, so much of it, it doesn't have what we have and don't know what we know. And <clears throat> that's when the Lord really put missions in my heart. I didn't know where. I didn't know. I just knew that was the turning point for me. Mm -hmm. So um, where did you serve longer term rather than just a short term trip? Where did you first go? Uh, it, probably Berlin would be the, the first long term trip place I was for training. It was training. You need to know what you're doing going into there. So I was on a preparation team in Berlin. I lived in um, West Berlin before the wall came down, very near to the wall that separated from communist East Berlin. So that was quite an experience. And then what happened from there? Well, like I went on a short-term <laughs> missions trip too. Didn't know him yet. And that was where I kind of got my feet wet in those kind of things. But it wasn't until he asked me to marry him, and also, was I willing to go to him? Two questions. In the same phone call. <laughs> and then I made him wait a month while I was praying about it. So, obviously, it was yes to both. But. Hallelujah. So, were you living in Berlin by this time? That was after Berlin experience. Okay. We, I came back because I knew I needed a wife. I knew I needed a good wife. And I found one. Hallelujah. Uh, just week, a week or so after I came back, God blessed me and led Kay into my life. He preached at my church that I was going to. Okay. Yeah, she liked the preacher. <laughs> so what happened then? So you guys you obviously said yes. Yeah. Where did you go? What happened? Bible school. <laughs> okay. We ended up at Rama in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I had already attended a year, and then when I was doing my second, she was doing her first. Okay. And, uh, and after she finished her second year... We went to for the first time. Okay. And so then somewhere in there you wound up in Bulgaria because you've told me some of the most amazing stories yeah. of what God did there. Yeah. So uh, how long were you in Bulgaria? About four years. And uh, I want to share a little bit about that in my message with you. Okay, good. Good. Amen. Did you serve anywhere else for any length of time? No. Oh, Germany. Well, Germany. Germany, yeah. Bulgaria. Yeah. So, Kay, if you could go... Uh, with all the experience, all the wisdom you've collected from the beginning till now, and if you could talk to yourself back when you were first starting this, or to someone here that is like thinking, I would like to do that, what would you say? What advice would you give? Yeah. I think one of the, the most important things is you need to be flexible and be able to think outside the box, because... Usually God has something in mind and you, something you never thought of. And so 
you know, just be open to all those kind of things that, you know, even if nobody's ever done it like that before. And also a lot of tenacity to stay on the field, even when things get rough or things are difficult, just a lot of tenacity to say, I'm, I'm here, God, and, and you know that we're supposed to stay, so I'm here. And just a really strong relationship with the Lord because that's going to be needed so you can hear his voice and know you're doing the right thing, what he wants you to do. That's good. Mm-hmm. So how would you describe or what is uh, the price that you pay for leaving home and going to a place like that? I mean, everything that we do in life has a price and a benefit, a cost and a benefit, right? What are some of the, uh, what you would call a significant price? Um, and then I would also like to hear what are some of the, significant benefits of it of course the price you pay is you're going to leave you know family and you're going to miss some of the celebrations and birthdays and weddings maybe and everything else but the the reward is that you get to see someone who has a life that's just been changed that never heard the gospel before and just is just drastically changed because you happen to be there to share the word with them Larry, um, define for me, what does it mean to be a successful missionary? Or if I would rephrase it a little bit, how would you know if you were a success or not? By um, knowing that in my own heart, I followed God's call and God's plan for my life. And I just sat recently, I told you, in that chapel where I heard God's voice for the first time, and I thanked him for his faithfulness. I, I tried to mess up along the way, and he was so faithful to bring me back on track again. And so I thanked him for his faithfulness. And success to me is not so much about numbers as it is about um, fulfilling God's call and plan for your life. And there's no greater satisfaction in life than knowing that you walk the walk and you, and you fulfill that call that God gave you. I once heard it said that success is not in the result as much as it's in obedience. Mm-hmm. And Because, you know, there was prophets in the Old Testament that were sent to people and he said, they're not even going to listen to you, but go tell them anyway. Yeah. And yeah. so that's a matter of obedience, even though the numbers were non-existent for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Laura, how would you, uh, what do you wish that newcomers, short-term people, or maybe someone arriving for the first time, what do you wish they knew? Like, if only they knew that. Um, just because it's God doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. <laughs> I think that people think like, oh, I know this is my calling. I know this is exactly what I'm supposed to do. And they get on the mission field, and it's so exciting. It's new, and you're learning a language, and you're learning a culture, and you're moved into a new house, and all these things. But there are those difficult moments where you want to give up. And you have to be strong in the Word and be strong in your prayer life. Build up ahead of time before those moments come so that you can stay, so that you can do what God's called you to do. And just because... God's called you there doesn't mean that everything is going to be so easy and everyone's going to be happy about it because that is not true. 
there are people that are going to support you and those people are your real friends. But just knowing that staying strong in what you know God's called you to do and not letting anything else around you waver, whether that's a global pandemic or, you know, your friends or whatever it is, staying strong in what you know is true. Good. Um, do any of you have any book recommendations that you would recommend to somebody who is considering the foreign mission field? I would say The Challenge of Missions by Oswald Smith. The Challenge of Missions by Oswald Smith, okay. And I would say Foreign to Familiar by Sarah Lanyard. Foreign to Familiar, Sarah Lanyard, okay. I, I have a whole list of books. <laughs> 66 of them? I think so. <laughs> Compiled in one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this next one I'll ask to all of you, and you can all answer, or just one of you. Uh, can you think of or tell us of something that somebody did for you while you're living in the field that was really encouraging to you? Can I go first? Sure. Uh, there was a church out in Sacramento. It was years ago, maybe eight years ago. Um, they decided... I'm a lot more. Okay. She's always about the timelines. I'm not good on timelines. Um, yeah. Anyways, there was a church in Sacramento that decided to call in their missionaries. We were one of them. And they decided to have Christmas in November or whatever month it was. And they, for three days, they just treated us like royalty. And they, I mean, we took a limousine ride through the valley there, that famous, uh, and we went to the Redwood Forest. We went, things I'd never seen before, and they just blessed us and uh, threw a party for us. And um, I mean, it was just amazing. And we'd never had anybody do that for us before or since. I mean, it's that's not like that. And uh, it was just very moving to us that, that they cared so much and thought so much to do that and put that together for us. And uh, I, I know every missionary that was part of that, probably were 10 different missionaries involved, and they were all extremely blessed like I was. We were. Amen. Mm -hmm. it, there's so many, it's very difficult. But several times when we've didn't say anything to anybody we're going through some really difficult challenging things and a pastor just calls us out of the blue and says how you doing and sometimes it might be Sydney it might be somebody else but just says you know how are you doing how are things going just like open-ended so that you can just unload and just just have somebody else to just agree with you in prayer on something mm -hmm. it was just really meaningful uh. There's so many. <laughs> uh, I remember there was a church. I was a teenager. We went to the church, and my dad spoke. And right after my dad finished, whenever the pastor came of the church came up, and he was like, okay, we're going to have a special celebration, and I will never forget it. They brought in this cake, this huge sheet cake, and it had all our faces printed on the cake. <laughs> and there were literally fireworks coming out of the cake. And everybody, they had us come to the front. This is the craziest thing. They had us come to the front, and everyone in the congregation started singing happy birthday to us. It was not any of our birthdays. It was <laughs> not close great. to being any of our birthdays. 
And I remember staying there going, what is this? Like, and they had this huge party afterwards with food and dancing, and they gave us gifts, and they're like, it's your birthday. And we're like, what? <laughs> but it was just so, like, I remember it touched me, and I can still see all of it in my mind today. And it's just so touching because I was like, these people thought ahead of time and just thought of this crazy plan because they're like, we want to do something crazy for these people because they're doing something crazy for God. And it was so, I don't even know, like it was weird, but it was really cool. But also like my mom said, like in this past year, the most meaningful thing was like when somebody would just text you and just say, hey, I'm praying for you today. And it was just like, wow. And I'm telling you, the amount of times that happens in the exact moment that you need it, Mm -hmm. it's almost 100 out of 100. Because the Holy Spirit is leading you. Even if you think it's something silly, like, I don't know, you send a picture, look at the view today, I'm thinking of you. Like, it's a meaningful thing from the Holy Spirit. All right, so tell us of a miracle or two that you have experienced over there um, that something that maybe it encourages you every time you remember it. Uh, maybe, I don't know if it's possible to have a favorite miracle, but there are some that stand out to you more than others. So well, could you share something like that with I'm, us? I'm saving that one for the message. Okay. <laughs> How about but, you, Kay? But we've had many. <laughs> I would say more on the more recent time was when the 13-year-old boy that he might have shared this before when he had, he has had cancer we went and prayed for him and you know it it just didn't look real hopeful in the natural at all but we just i mean he's from a muslim background so no faith on his side or his parents and just faith just rose up in us and prayed for him and i saw him last summer mm-hmm. i didn't even recognize him you know he's a couple years older Amazing. you know full head of hair and just like beautiful young man and just it was just amazing you know because God had we knew before this that God had healed him but just to see the how he's prospered in life just because God did a miracle for him because somebody was there to be the hands and feet of Jesus amen amen Larry what are some physical and uh, financial needs that you guys have now or in 2021 that you can see coming? Um, Of course, we have our Holy Spirit Conference. We're planning for July of this year. Uh, That takes a lot of extra help and finances. The book translations, we'd like to do four titles this year. Uh, The one that we're doing now will be finished probably within two weeks, and it's already paid for. Hallelujah. Uh, And then we're going to do... The Art of Prayer, a book on prayer, and then some more titles this year. So it's finances for those things. And also we've been losing some of our support. I don't know if it's because of this pandemic thing or where people are, but we've been watching our partnerships fall off, and uh, we've been losing personal support as well. So our desire is to help solidify that. And you can stand in agreement with us that God will speak to hearts of people to become a part with us again, you know, and um, that'll build So up. how much does, like, a translated book, what does that cost and get it into print? Um, uh, for example, a book like this, um, How to Be Led by the Spirit of God, it's $4,000 to translate. 
uh, and it's done by someone who proofs it like two more times after mm -hmm. he's already translated it. And so it's a lot of work. And then another $1,500 to do a thousand copies. That's the basic cost. We do a thousand copies at a time. And so the, the biggest expense is in the translation, but once it's translated, it's, it's, it's in our hands to use again and again. And, and let me just say, say something that God gave me a couple weeks ago. I was talking to our people. I said, I'm ex excited to get these books in your homes and on your shelves. And I call these books the walking teacher or the sleeping teacher, the sleeping teacher. And I said, the sleeping teacher won't do you any good until you wake him up. How do you wake up the sleeping teacher? Well, you take it off the shelf, you open it up, and you start reading. And the Holy Spirit, you'll find He's right there to make mm -hmm. that which you're reading come alive in you and further equip you, inspire you, <clears throat> and help you grow spiritually. And so uh, my, my word now is wake up the sleeping teacher. They're, these books will go places I can't go. They'll be there long after I'm gone. So can you understand how important these sleeping teachers are? I mean, imagine having this excellent sleeping teacher in your home, available to you anytime you want, just to pull it off the shelf and start reading. It's an awesome thing. And so that's, it's a major, uh, major project for us. And how many books did you say you're wanting to do this year? This year we want to do, we'd like to do four titles. We did um, these two last year. We've done many in the, others in the past, and I believe God has put this on our hearts heavy to, to get ready for what's coming. Yeah, amen. Thank you for that. Um, let's let's uh, close it this way, and then we'll go into what you have to share with us. Um, how can we pray for you? Um, right now, uh, our body has been under um, a strong attack from the enemy, you know, as People are locked down, the church, our church body, not my physical body, but the church body, um, members in our church, and I, I just ask you to join us in prayer that, and agree with us that the enemy will not succeed in the name of Jesus from separating them from what's giving them life. And um, we've had a couple businessmen in our church that are both under great stress right now. The economy is collapsing because the heavier the lockdowns, as you know in America, uh, the worse it hurts the economy. And so, and especially in our area, and it, it may look and feel like it's finished, but it's still going. There's still, you know, fighting and stuff, and you can't go back and forth across the border. There's no trade. There's no business yet. So that's all affecting the... Anyway, pray for our people. Pray for uh, God to do a work in them, uh, stir up a hunger in them. Uh, that's important, and our finances, of course, uh, is important. Mm -hmm. And um, anything else that then, then our Holy Spirit conference that's coming up in July, I believe that is very impactful. Now, who comes to that? We invite believers from all over the nation to come, and we have other leaders and pastors. Uh, last year, we were getting the greatest turnout response that we've ever had, and then in the last minute, we had to cancel it because of the COVID thing, and that was our that was going to be our seventeenth annual Holy Spirit conference. Seventeen years in a row. That was the first year we couldn't do it in seventeen years. But this year we're going to do it. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's pray, and uh, we're going to do that right now. Let's just Amen. pray and, and 
for those things that you ask for. Amen. And because as you know, all things are possible yes. to him that believes. Father, we thank you so much for your faithfulness, that your ear is open to the cry yes. of the righteous. And so, Father, we ask you for divine yes. help, Amen. supernatural help to the, the body of Christ and to the, the church. Amen. Lord, I ask you to strengthen them in their inner man, that Amen. you would overshadow yes. them, that by your spirit you come upon them, even right now where they are, resting in their bed, Father, that you just come and hover over Hallelujah. them, that when they wake, they sense your presence right there. Father, I ask you to give them even a, a greater understanding, a greater hunger after you, Lord. Give them a zeal for you like they've not had before. Father, I ask you too that you would um, bring more people into that body. Bring people from the north, south, east, and west. People that are are looking for truth, Lord. That you open up their eyes in that region and that the salt and light will prevail in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you that you are the meter of all our needs. And so we call every financial need for these books, every financial need for travel back and forth, every financial need for the Holy Spirit conference are all met in the name of Jesus. Every bill is paid. Every need is met. We thank you for doing that. And Lord, I ask for your divine favor on this Holy Spirit conference, on every speaker, that you would give them the word to speak, that you would prepare it in their heart ahead of time. Lord, I ask that you would put a draw on people, those that you want to be there. Give them a sincere desire to be there. And I thank you for this. I thank you that you protect those that are arranging it and going to be there. In Jesus' name, and amen. 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 Well, thank Hallelujah. you for uh, thank you, brother. taking the time to sit and have a living yeah. room conversation. 